there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. We're going to talk this morning about attention because I think this is a very important point. I think it's crucial, especially in the beginning, and I think it's crucial right through to the end of this work and this path. We took a safety motorcycle course one time. One of the things they taught us in the course is turn your head and look in the direction you wish the bike to go. <laughs> well, what about the handlebars and what about this and what about that? He said, don't worry about any of that. You just turn your head in the direction and look in the direction you want the bike to go. And we all said, yeah, right. And then we turned however we turned and we did however we, because we all knew how to ride motorcycles and nobody was going to tell us, even though we paid them $125 to tell us, we were way too smart for that. We paid $125 to show how smart we were. <laughs> and if this doesn't sound like you, then you have not observed yourself and you can get busy doing that. The idea being that you'll go where you look. I had a Ducati back then, a 996, so it was a really hot motorcycle and very sporty, and we were up in the mountains on curvy roads, twisties they call them here. We were up in the twisties, and we were coming down the mountain, and I was, of course, in front of everybody else because I have to be in front of everybody else. <laughs> it's just what I had to do back then. So I was in front of everybody else racing down the mountain like a madman, and as I turned a corner uh, right in front of me, there was a huge semi-truck, that is a tractor and a trailer, Pull, it was pulling this big long trailer and the curve was so tight that in order to make it he had to take up both of the lanes of the road that was his lane and the lane that I was in he was about 50 yards ahead of me when I saw him when I came around the corner I was probably doing about 40 or 50 miles an hour and there was no way that I could avoid hitting him so I looked where I thought I wanted to be and then the next thing I knew the bike went there and I was around him and I thought oh my god I didn't go through that truck I actually got around it somehow somehow I'd gotten under the shoulder of the road around the truck and down the road without ever hitting him without going off the road without getting into an accident and I remember remember that my helmet, the bike was so leaned over, the turn was so sharp, the bike was so leaned over that my helmet, I could feel the air from the truck going by my helmet as I went by. And I thought, wow, that was close. <laughs> but I looked where I wanted to go and the bike went there. And I understood something then. I understood that all that power of that Ducati, all that force was easily channeled, was easily directed with a mere glance or so it appeared. Esotericism teaches this very same thing, just in different words. This involves a certain kind of internal effort not ordinary to the mechanical life that we live. So the work has to teach us how to make this effort. The work has to teach us when to make this effort, where to make this effort. What's the best use of this effort? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Force follows attention. The force of that motorcycle followed my attention, where I directed my attention. I looked in a certain direction, and the force followed where I looked. That's the theory here. And it's all theory until you hit that mountain road and you experience it. It's all theory until you do it. Understand that. You may understand the theory. That does not mean you do it. It just means you understand the theory. It comes out of theory and turns into reality when you actually do it. The more you do it, the more real it becomes. This is how it works. Attention, however, is hardly in our possession. You do not possess attention, so you cannot direct attention. You 
you think you do possess attention. And I say, fine, sit down to meditate. And you say, well, I can't. My mind keeps thinking of this and that. I keep fidgeting. I keep remembering I have to do this or I have to do that. Well, just focus your attention on staying there. I can't. My mind keeps doing this. I have keep fidgeting. My body, this. I have a backache. This happens. That happens. Right. Well, that's okay. Just don't pay any attention to that. What do you mean don't pay any attention to that? Just what I said. Pay. Take your attention and pay. Pay it to what you want. Take your attention and pay. Invest it in what you want. What is it you want? Why am I meditating? You're meditating to center yourself. You're meditating to separate from your mind. You're meditating to separate from your feelings. You're meditating to separate from your body, your sensations. That is the purpose of meditation. That's what you're doing. You are going to, when all that stuff happens, you are going to find that there's something else in the universe. And that something else is this incredible, huge force of light and power and sound. And you will be caught up in that force, little by little, as you direct your attention to it, and your attention is taken away from the things that normally grab and hold your attention. That's what attention is about. But you don't have any attention to speak of, so you can't do anything about that now. Your attention has been hijacked by life. It's been hijacked by life through your five senses, through your false personality, through your negative emotions, through your old associations, through your pictures of yourself, through what other people have told you, through what you have believed other people want from you and need from you, and what you should give them and what you should do. Your attention has been hijacked by all of those things and more things. There's not enough time for me to enumerate all the things that attract your attention and hold it and hijack it and capture it. There's not enough time. You must make the effort to see this yourself. You cannot depend on me spelling everything out to you. You must make effort. This is where the rubber meets the road, people. This is how you get around the truck instead of plowing into it. You have to do this. All this is connected with interest for us. What does interest have to do with attention? Well, we can tell what our interests are by where we spend time, can't we? You know where your interests are. Right now, if you're spending time with this, you know that your interest is here. Well, how much of your interest in 24 hours a day, how much of your interest goes into this? Precious little, huh? Yeah, you got to tell the truth about it. Precious little of your interest goes into this work. The amazing thing about this work, the astounding thing about this work, the thing that if you stick with this work, you can find is you can find the realm of the miraculous. The miraculous thing about this work is that you invest so little into it and you get so much back. That's the amazing thing. You don't know that yet, but I know that for you. And I'll hold that space open until you can step into it. Moving right along here, everybody gets the same 24 hours in a day. You don't have time for the work. But I do. Why is that? Well, because you get more hours in a day. Oh, I do. How many do I get? Well, you must get like 25. Well, actually, no, I get 24 just like everybody else. I have the same time to meditate that others do. I have the same time to work while others can't find the time. As if it got lost somewhere. You know, as if they just went looking for it, they'd find it over there. Oh, look, there's the three hours I lost. They pick that up and they've got the three hours. They put it back in their time bag. And then they can live that three hours when it comes up again. That's not how it works. You didn't lose anything. You can't lose time. You can't gain time. You can't make time. You can't do anything with time. Time is beyond you. It's just this thing. You're stuck in a time body. And that's just this thing. You just got to deal with that. So you've got to deal with that. But you get so much time, period. And then it's over. And when it's over, you're dead. That's how it works. Here's how your time works. You have so many breaths that you're going to take in this life. When you take your last breath, your time is up. A tree has a different time. It breathes at a different rate. So it lives longer than you. Why? 
because it breathes slower than you and it has a different amount of breaths than you. You look at animals, you know, you look at a cat or a dog, they breathe faster than us. They live less time than us, don't they? They don't have as much time. You look at a housefly who has seven days. That's it. That's his whole life. The whole life fits in seven days if he was a long-lived housefly, if you didn't get him with your fly swatter first. Or if the cat didn't jump up and catch him in the window. Or if you didn't spray him or whatever. So you see, that's how it works. If you're under the law of accident, you're not going to get all your breaths breathed. If you get yourself in a better place and you can be under the law of fate, you will get all of your breaths breathed. And you will get done what you're supposed to do here. Well, what am I supposed to do here? Well, that's up to you. If you wish to develop, then you're supposed to work. If you wish to party, then you should go party. If you wish to do both, you're going to have to decide between one or the other sooner or later. Because you can't do both. You've got to serve something. You're going to serve life or you're going to serve this work. When I say this work, I don't mean the fourth way. I say this path. I say your destiny. That's what your work is. Your work is to evolve into your destiny, to what you were meant to be, to what you came here to be. That is your work. Bruce Nicole said, if you're really profoundly interested in something, you may find plenty of time for it. Time and interest are connected. Look at what people do. They're ruled by influences made in life. We call those A influences in the work. They're ruled by A influences. Look at the interest in sports. Right now in Europe, they've got this big thing going on, this big football cup thing going on. The other day I was chatting with someone in Holland. She puts her, her little kid comes and gets home from school, gets on her lap, and he's got his face painted colors. Somebody painted his face for the football thing. So you go to these matches and these things, and you'll see people standing up and screaming and shouting and cheering and banging and throwing things and, and doing all that, right? There's this big excitement thing. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to a football game, a baseball game? you ever been to a soccer game, a hockey game? Then you understand this interest in sports. You understand this interest in films if you've ever been to a movie theater. And you see how many people go in there and you see how much money they pay to get in there. And you see that they all sit down there and then they're inundated with all this sound and all this sight. And they're interested in that and they're captured by that. Look at the huge numbers of people that go to concerts, that do incredible things, that pay incredible prices to get to a concert and be squished in a room full of a bunch of sweaty, screaming, crazy people all jumping up and down, you know, and doing drugs and screaming and yelling and music that's too loud. And they call that fun. Okay, that's all right with me. Then have fun. Enjoy yourself. You know, try to protect your ears is all I say. Because later, when you finally do realize what you've done and you're deaf, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for you because you won't be able to hear my lovely voice talking to you about these things that are going to be really important to you when you get to that stage. They may not be important to you now, but I promise you, these words that I'm speaking to you, these words are life. These words are life, and they will save your life when you finally hear them and you finally begin to apply them. This is not child's play. This is real. Why so much time for that? Why do people have so much time for films and concerts and sports? That's where their interest is. That's why they have so much time for it. All their time, all their money, all their force follow their interest. They pay $300 for a concert ticket. They pay $10 to get in to see a film. And another $10 for stuff to eat mindlessly while they're sitting there with some popcorn with some grease on it. You know, it's like, yo! Lespensky said, how can you expect people to listen to a teaching of this kind, which comes from sea influences, which is outside of life? Well, he's got a good point. How can I expect anyone to listen to what I'm saying? I know where this comes from. I know. I just said, these words that I am speaking to you, these words are life. You may or may not know that. If you do know that, good for you. If you don't know that, stick around. Maybe something will catch. Maybe something will happen. It could happen. So the bottom line is, I really don't expect people to listen. People who are interested in this work, they wonder, well, why not? Why don't you expect people to listen? Because I know what people are interested in. 
It's very clear what people are interested in. All you have to do is look around you. They're painting their faces at football games. They're jumping up. They've not just their faces. I've seen them painted their whole bodies. People with their shirt off and their whole body painted all these colors of their team. People wearing silly hats and waving banners and doing this and doing that. Where did they get all the time for that? Well, I tell you one thing. They weren't sitting at home meditating like I was. I'll tell you one thing. They weren't doing this work like I was. Well, but they didn't have the time for it. No, because I wasn't at the football game. I wasn't going out to the store buying paint for my body. I wasn't putting together this banner to wave around. I wasn't standing in line. I was doing this instead. That's why. You've got to serve something, as I've said. It's either higher or lower than yourself. You're either going to serve something higher than yourself or you're going to serve something lower than yourself. If you think that you're going to serve yourself, then you're serving something lower than yourself because you don't know yourself and the self that you will end up serving is your false personality and it will drag you down lower because that's what false personality always does. It never takes you up. It always takes you down. You must begin to take false personality up until you can drop it behind or transform it into something else, whichever comes first. And I don't know what that is, and it doesn't matter. Humanity now serves something lower. This world serves something lower. This is why we say there are wars, there are rumors of wars, there are disasters, there is hunger, famine, there is disease. All of these things are a result of humanity serving something lower. Individually, we can change that. We cannot change humanity and what they're doing. But individually, we can change what we serve. Individually, I have changed what I serve. I do not serve something lower. I now serve something higher. And through serving something higher, I serve humanity. You are getting served. You are being waited on by me. You are having your meal delivered to your table. The only thing that is left for you to do, since it's a free meal, is to take your knife and your fork, cut some of it up. Most of it I've cut up for you already. Cut some of it up and then make this huge Herculean effort to lift your fork to your mouth, put the food in your mouth, and begin to masticate it, chew it, then swallow it and digest it. That's what this work is about. You guys sound harsh today, don't I? <laughs> it's really funny because I don't feel that way. You know, it's just what's on the page. Direct. Yeah, that's a good word. Not harsh. Direct. I like that better. Okay, you can stay. <laughs> so, is it any wonder, really, that humanity is not evolving? Oh, yeah, we've got computers and we've got better cars and airplanes that fly faster, but we've still got wars and we've still got cancer and we've still got famine and we've still got people who are dying of thirst somewhere and somebody else who's drowning in a flood. We've still got all that. We didn't take any of that technology and do anything that would do any good for humanity, did we? Oh, we say, oh, the Internet's done a lot of good for humanity. Yeah, if you're a porn star, then it's done a lot of good. Made a lot of pornographic sites rich. And that's really done what for humanity? Well, that's helped women. Now their husbands don't pour their lust out on them. Right? <laughs> you know, people can make up some crazy stuff. I've heard that insanity. I've heard that justification. Yeah, and you're all laughing, but that's true. People say that. Yeah, well, see, that's how out of touch you are with the world. Just look at it. That's how we waste energy that belongs to awakening. We prefer the group hypnotism of mass events like a World Cup event. The group hypnotism of mass events like going to the movies. The group hypnotism of mass events like going to a concert. The group hypnotism of mass events like going to a school play or whatever. Any group hypnotism that we submit ourselves to robs us of energy. We waste our force. What is that force for? That force is so that you can awaken, so that you can develop, so that you can get free from this. That's what the force is for. If you're not using it for that, you're wasting it. Observe the painted faces, the shouting, the screaming with the collective excitement that goes on there. Observe how it starts slow and then it builds and builds and builds until people are into a frenzy. People jump up and down on stands so hard that they collapse. 
That doesn't happen with normal people in ordinary states of mind. That frenzy is the excitement that comes from mass excitement. Groups of people doing that. Each person is robbed of force of consciousness that could be used to remember oneself. Each person who submits himself to that group is being robbed of the force of the consciousness that could help him to remember himself. It's being sucked away by the group. Where is it going? It's going lower. It's not going higher. How can you say that? People are having a good time. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yes, it's a wonderful thing. And that's how come so many people die in those wonderful things. That's how come those wonderful things turn into riots where people go down the street and burn cars and smash windows in shops. That's why that happens. That's why the fans on this side and the fans on that side get negative toward each other. Then there's this big row. They get out there and they start fighting. And the next thing you know, somebody gets their head cracked. And the next thing you know, somebody's killed. And the next thing you know, innocent people are trampled because of all the crowds. And the next thing you know, there's death and destruction everywhere. Why? We were just having fun. Is it any wonder that we are the way we are on this earth with humanity doing that? Those crowds are fast asleep. Take another example, something less extreme. Everyone's been on the freeway when all of a sudden there was this just this traffic jam, this just huge traffic jam. And he's like, oh God, what now? And you finally get up there and you find that everyone has slowed down to five miles an hour so that they can rubberneck, so they can look out the window and see this horrible sight of this accident and see if anyone's killed or dismembered or their head is on the road or there's any blood or if there's a fire or if there's anything to be seen. You've seen this, right? Now, of course, you have never done this. You always just look straight ahead and go right by. You never do that. And even if you do, you're only looking to see if there's anybody who needs help so that you can help them and call and, you know, and you'll pull over and help them. That's what you do. But we're talking about all the other people who didn't do that. Those people who just slowed down to look. But they were going to help, too, if they saw anything, you see. So you can run your garbage by me, but I'm not going to buy it because I know me. I know exactly what I do when I go by those things. I know the effort that it takes to keep my head straight ahead, to move over, to give those other people space, and to keep going as quickly as possible. I don't slow down. I move as quickly as possible through it, and I don't look. Why do I not look? Because by the time I got there, the help has already been called. Somebody else already got to it because I was way back in the line or the ambulance is already there and I don't need to see anything or the fire truck is there or whatever. I don't need to see anything. I don't need to allow a curious eye to steal my force. And what happens when those people do that? They stare in fascination, unconscious of what they're doing, where they are, those around them. Well, I'll tell you what happens. More accidents. That's what happens. They stop. They slow down. Somebody else wasn't paying attention. He rear ends them. Somebody else goes to the side. They run into somebody. This happens. That happens. And it turns into this big, horrible thing. Why? Because people were not conscious. Why? Because they'd allowed this mass event to hypnotize them and to take their attention and their force. That's why. Forced from what? Forced from remembering themselves. Had they driven by that accident and remembered themselves, they would have done what I did. They would have gone straight ahead and not looked. Now, you can make up as many excuses as you want and justify yourself as much as you want. What you'll end up being is who you are, justified, not who you could be. Choice is yours. From these mass hypnotisms, states of existence beneath the earth receive force. It's drained off humans because they don't wish to use it to become individuals. That's the fact. You can look at it any way you want. You can mull over it. You can say, well, what does that mean? It means that if you are not using the force, there are laws in this universe. We live under laws. The more laws you live under, the less freedom you have. Some of the laws are like supply and demand. You know that supply and demand drive the market. You know that when there's too much of something, 
there's too much of a supply, the demand goes down, and so the price of that something drops. You know, when there's not enough, when there's less of a supply, the demand goes up and the price goes up because people panic and they hoard. Somebody says, there's going to be an earthquake. Everybody goes and they buy water and toilet paper and flashlights and batteries, and you go to the store shelves and there's nothing left. Why? Because all those people needed all of those things? No, because they were hoarding. That's why. We've seen it dozens of times here in Southern California with earthquake warnings. People go crazy, clean off the shelves. It's great for the guys in the stores. All they do is collect money and then all the batteries just rot in your refrigerator or in your storage shed. You never use them because the earthquake didn't come. You end up pouring all the water out and using all the toilet paper in 12 years because I've seen people drive with truckloads of toilet paper. I don't even want to know what that's about. So we live under all these laws, and we, there's also a law of diminishing supply that people don't really readily understand. And that law of diminishing supply means that if you don't use something, it goes away. Well, let me tell you how it works in the government. How it works in the government is the government gives you a budget. You have a budget, and they will give you a certain amount of money to meet that budget, all the things that you say you can do. And then if you have money left over at the end of the year... The government then says, okay, well, you're not getting that money next year. So what you do is you have to take that money and you have to hide it from the government or use it on something. So what happens in the government is they end up squandering that money because they're afraid that they're not going to get that much money next time and they might need it. So they were able to do it and they go, well, we got too much money, so we better use this money on something or else we're not going to have it. They're going to take it away from us. And so the whole thing, because of the law of diminishing supply, the whole thing diminishes. The whole thing just turns into this big, bloated, horrible, beast that keeps sucking off of everybody. And they call that a government. And it's not a government at all. It's just a big parasitic tick, a big bloated tick. And it's living off the blood of people who are working. And what does it give back? Very little compared to what it takes. Is it ending famine? Is it ending health care problems? Is it ending war? Is it doing anything that you want done? Well, then there you have it. It's not working. Why is it not working? Because we're not working. Individuals are not working. That's why it doesn't work. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. That's from Mark chapter 425. People don't understand that. Why? That's not fair. That's right. Life isn't fair. It is the way it is. Not fair. Life is just. It's not fair. Just. That means that life gives exactly what you pay for. You get exactly what you pay for. If you don't pay for it, you don't get it. That's that's how life works. Now, Life does give you a free glass of water to prime the pump. If you don't prime the pump with it, you don't get any more water. If you do prime the pump with it, you can get water and give it to somebody who doesn't have any more water. And you can keep giving them water until the idiot finally realizes it's time to prime his own pump and then start pumping for himself. Gurdjieff wasn't kidding when he said we're idiots. That's not a joke. We are idiots. And if you don't think you are, you haven't observed yourself. The force we have to remember ourselves in a day is limited. There's just so much force. If we let race consciousness and group hypnosis take it, it's gone. That's it. It's gone for the day. It's done. Just like the government. You don't spend it, they aren't going to give it to you anymore. So you go and find a way to spend it. But you spend all your force on silly things. If you wish to work, and if you really do work to develop, you will reach real eye. You'll not fall under those influences as long as you work. You stop working, you'll fall under the influence again. It's like the little Dutch boy with his finger in the dike. When you stop working, you start leaking. When he pulled his finger out of the dike, it started to leak again. He put his finger back in the dike, it stopped the leak. That's how it is for you. As long as you work, you've got your finger in the dike, and it will not leak. When you stop working, you pull your finger out of the dike, and you start leaking force. That's how it works. So you know that you can't work all day because you leak force. So now what your job is, what this work is about for you now is to plug these leaks. That's what your work is about. And it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't see any problem with the leaks. You don't even know it's leaking. 
We lose force to every ordinary event by identifying with it. This is what the work teaches. We lose force to every ordinary event. What is an ordinary event? The cat jumped up on the table and knocked the vase over. That's an ordinary event. You got upset. You lost force. You yelled at the cat. You lost force. You got negative. You lost force. You see? Ordinary event. Simple thing. Thus, we have non-identifying and self-remembering. And they're closely connected. The work says you must not identify and you must remember yourself. Why are they closely connected? Because you cannot not identify without remembering yourself. And if you remember yourself, then you're going to remember to not identify. They're closely connected, like two wheels on a carriage that can help us move up the path, that can help us get going in a certain direction. And so we need to have them move along together. Inner stop has great meaning in the work, much more than we can grasp for quite a while takes a long time to understand what inner stop is. Internally, we have bad associations, bad associative spots. Let's say they're like little spots on an apple. They're bad associative spots. If you don't cut those out, they'll rot the whole apple. You've got to cut that part away so that it, so that it no longer can get to the rest of the healthy part. Well, we don't have much healthy part. We've got mostly rotten parts. So we need the work to come in and start to cleanse us. We need the work ideas to come in and self-remembering and the force behind this work. And what is the force behind this work? Well, for anyone who doesn't know, it is consciousness. It is the conscious circle of humanity, according to the work. Well, what is that? It is the power of awareness. It is the power of intelligence. It is the power of the creator, harnessed, manifested by people who woke up people who remembered themselves and woke up and got it and then saw that the rest of humanity had to be awakened. And now that's what they're doing. And that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to help the rest of us awaken. I'm not saying I'm awake. I'm just saying I'm more awake than I was. Am I fully awake? No. Have I been? Yes. How long did it last? Not nearly long enough. That's how long. How long would I like it to last? forever. And that's what I'm working for. And hopefully that's what you're working for. So here's what it's about. Internally, we've got these bad associative spots that when touched by an event in life, an ordinary event, immediately begin to drain force, like the cat knocking over the vase. We must stop these because we haven't forced to change them now. You don't have what it takes to change them. You can't just make them go away. So all you can do right now is just stop it. And you can't even do that really, but you've got to start trying because by trying, you will develop the muscle to be able to do it. So right now you can't do it, but if you practice, you will be able to do it eventually. It's like a tourniquet used to stop the flow of blood that will, that will kill us. So you get an artery opened up and you're going to bleed to death. So they tie a tourniquet. Well, if the tourniquet stays on there, you're going to lose the limb. It's just a temporary measure. So that's what inner stop is. It's a temporary measure until you can get to it and get it canceled, get it handled. But right now you can stop it. That's the first thing. So you can save some force. You can save some bloodletting by stopping it. It's temporary, but it's what we can do where we are. And we need to work from where we are, not where we would like to be, not where we think we should be, not where we should be, not where it would be really nice to be, and certainly not where we imagine that we are. Because where you imagine that you are, <coughs> you're never going to work. You know, you've got to get rid of your imagination. And the only way to get rid of your imagination is through self-observation, proper self-observation, proper non-identified self-observation. So we've got these internal bad spots with all kinds of things. So the cat knocks over the vase or it rains or the sun didn't shine or the stock market went up or down. So we've got it with things. We've got all these internal bad spots with things. But we've also got them with people and people are easier to spot in the emotions. It's easier to begin with people because we have emotional ties to people and they plug us in very quickly. So that is the best place to start if you're there. If you're all about things, the cat just knocked over the vase and you're worried about the thing, then start there. 
So your thing is the cat in the vase. If your thing is your husband or your wife or the neighbor, then your thing is that. Then you work on that. You've got associated bad spots. You've got things inside of you, internal bad spots that need to be cleansed. They need to be purified. They need to be washed out. So let me give you an example. Just hearing the name of a certain person. There's some person in your life. I don't know who it is, but there's some person in your life. You just hear their name. It instantly triggers all kinds of negative emotions for you. You start to think of what they did to you. You start to think of what an idiot they were. You start to think how stupid they are. You start to think how mean they are. Whatever you think. You start to think they stole from you. You start to think they didn't give you what you were owed. You start to think they didn't treat you properly. You start to think that they're selfish and that they don't care about you or that they're just evil people. Whatever. I don't care what you think. It doesn't matter to me. None of it matters. I don't care what the negative emotions are. Those are the things you need to separate from. That's all. Not the things you need to justify. Not the things you need to say, oh, well, that's, that's why. No. Forget all that. You need to separate from that. Why? Because you're bleeding. You've just opened an artery, you moron. You're bleeding. You're bleeding to death. You've got to stop it. No, I just need to justify it. Okay, fine. Justify bleeding to death. Good, I will. And I've seen people do that. And then they just sit there and bleed to death because they've got it justified. They're not ready for this work. That's all. They're just not ready for this work. So they can't do the work. You've got to stop justifying. You've got to see that you need something. You need help. You need this. Until you see that, nothing happens. Just intellectual entertainment. It's just ego building stuff. That's all it is. It's just a way to be better than everybody else, smarter than everybody else, quicker than everybody else, know more than everybody else. Position yourself in a better position than everybody else. If that's what you're doing the work for, you're not doing this work. You're doing your own work. You're not doing the work of developing. Let's put it that way. It looks like the person, when you think about this person, looks like the person, looks like the person's doing all that stuff, looks like the person's making you that way. It looks that way. It doesn't look like it's you. It looks like the person, but it's really you. This is the good news. See, but people don't take this as good news. I say to somebody, look, it's not them, it's you. They get mad. They get mad at the good news. This is how turned around people are. They get mad at the good news. The good news is it's not that person, it's you. And they get angry and want to explain to me why it's that person. They try and give me all the reasons why it's that person. They try and give me all the reasons why they're a victim and why they're suffering because of that person. They try to give me all the reasons why that person is hurting people. And I say, no, it's you. And they get mad at me when they should say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're absolutely right. It is me. Because you see, if it's the other person, there's nothing you can do to ever change it. Well, you can try and run away from that person. Guess who you're going to find wherever you go? Oh, they'll they'll be wearing a different name, a different face, maybe even a different gender, maybe a different age. But you'll find them. You will find them. Why? Because they're in you. And that's the good news. If it's them, you're in trouble. If it's in you, it's possible to practice inner stop. It's possible to remember yourself. It's possible to observe yourself. It's possible to do something. Maybe it's not a lot, but it's possible to do something. Nicole said, only a blind fool thinks he can control himself under all circumstances. I love it when he says things like that because it makes me sound less harsh. Only a blind fool thinks he can control himself under all circumstances. There you go. That's how he would have said it. Maybe not. He was British, so he might have said, Only a blind fool thinks he can control himself under all circumstances. I don't know. However they talk. They're laughing now. I can just hear the Brits laughing. You call that a British accent? Ho, ho, ho. I can do a better American accent. Sure, I bet you can, partner. (laughs) They always pick the easy ones, you know. Anyway, give up the illusion of control and tie the tourniquet of inner stop, which leads to beneficial inner silence. Look, give up this illusion of control. You think you have control. You think you can control somebody by yelling at them. Duh. You think you control somebody by withholding something from them. Duh. All you can do is make them more negative like you. Well, that's control. Yeah, so you get to make more negativity. Wow, that's really cool. You're a really powerful person. I'll bet your life's really wonderful now. Well, yes, I'm on top now. They're more negative than me. And that's what you call winning. And I call that stupid. Sorry. 
That's what I call that. So give up the illusion of control. Tie that tourniquet of inner stop, and you will find that there is an inner silence in there, that there's a quiet place where you can take refuge. It's a very beneficial space, and you can gather your force, and you can use it for something valuable like self-remembering. We must ransom our captured attention and use it to develop as we are meant to develop. It's why we're here, people, why we have these bodies, these lives, this work. Just a word can cause one to explode in rage, in disgust, in contempt, in horror, indignation, because it triggers a mechanical chain of associations leading to a discharge of terrible negative emotions. Well, what? All I did was get annoyed. Annoyed covers murderous rage. Mild irritation covers the desire to eliminate that person from the planet. You will see this if you will follow it down. All negative emotions lead to violence. All negative emotions lead to violence. Doing this work is about finding where you are weak and learning how to let something higher support and strengthen you until you are balanced and whole. You have weak spots. If you have a weak ankle, you wear an ankle brace. Why? So that you can walk while you strengthen your ankle, so that you can get rid of the brace. This work is to be gotten rid of. That's what it's for. It's to be used up. There shouldn't be anything of the work left when you're through with it. You should have eaten it all up. You should have used it all up. If you still got things on your shelf, books you haven't read, things you haven't done about the work, it's because you're not doing the work. You have to do the work. You can't just read about the work. You can't just talk about the work. You have to do the work. If you do not exercise your interest and thereby your attention, life will siphon all the rare and precious force that could help you to remember yourself, to nurture and grow your essence. You must do this. It will not be done for you. You can get a boost. You can get help. You're getting it now. You're getting a boost from me. But you must do this. You're getting the water to prime the pump, but you must start pumping. doesn't mean you don't come back for more. It just means that you must start pumping. You must start working. As you work on yourself, you'll begin to collect force and time for the things you never could quite manage before. You'll find that you have time to do things, the things that are important, really important. Separate yourself from the life events that rob you, but do it without leaving life. That's what this work is about. It's about doing this in life, not going into a monastery, not crawling into a cave and pulling it in after you. I'd like to do that myself, but I don't. I stay right here in the middle of it, and I let it expand. So they want me to come to Europe and teach there. Okay, I'm willing to do that. I don't like the idea. I'd rather stay in my cave, but I'll do it. Why? Because I'm in life. And this is my job. This is what life requires of me, and this is what I'll do. This is what the work requires of me, then this is what I'll do. Will I be happy doing it? Absolutely. I will find happiness. I will find joy. I will have a great time. Why? Because that's what I do. You've known me for how many years? 20-some years? You know me. That's what I'll do. I'll land on my feet every time. doesn't matter how far I fall. doesn't matter what I fall in. I will land on my feet. Why? Because this work is my compass. What is this work? Esoteric teachings, the higher power behind it the conscious circle of humanity that sends it into being. Separate yourself from the life events that rob you. Always a good plan. Always a good plan. If you don't, you'll be devoured by life and you'll gain nothing eternal, nothing lasting. When you die, you'll be dead. Remember yourself just a little bit every day. And I assure you, your life will be utterly different. It will not happen all at once, but it will be utterly different. You do not have to practice identifying. It happens automatically. You don't have to do anything about it. Just sit there and sleep, and you'll identify. I promise you. It comes naturally. You identify with everything. Every thought that blows into your mind, you call, I think. Every feeling that blows in through your emotional center, you say, I feel. Every sensation that happens to walk across your skin or in your body, you say, I feel. 
I sense. But that's not true. What we do here is practice non-identifying. That's what we do here. We practice non-identifying. In this work, many things are done to see if you will identify or not. People say to me, well, you're testing me. No, I'm not testing you. I know what you'll do. I want you to see what you'll do. I want you to see that you identify. I want you to see that you're asleep. I already know that. I'm sitting here looking at you. I'm talking to you. I know you're asleep. You're the one who thinks you're awake. So I'm not testing you. I'm giving you an opportunity to wake up. You take it or leave it. That's your business. Then, strengthen you so that you stop and redirect your attention to where it will serve your highest and best interest. This is what we are here to do. Non-identify, and then once you have gotten that force that would have leaked out, then use that force to strengthen yourself so that you can stop in the middle of life, redirect your attention, and your attention will then direct your force. And wherever you give your attention, your force will be directed. And you can actually develop by giving your attention to developing, by giving your attention to the work, by sending force into it and receiving force from it, and you will utterly change and be transformed. That is the promise. You can verify it in little things and extrapolate it out in scale to the larger things. You will awaken. And how I know that is because you have awakened a little. And if you will continue to work, you will awaken more and more and more. And the more you awaken, the less force will be stolen from you because you'll be more awake. You'll be paying attention and you won't let it happen. The thief won't come in the night. The moth won't come and eat. The rust won't get it because you will be awake and you'll be guarded and you'll be watching. And your force will gather and your force will be directed into awakening. And you will become what you are meant to become. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.